Let's have a word of prayer. We'll read these verses and then we'll pick it up and run. Father, we come before you. We ask as we even just sang, may your breath, may your wisdom, may your eyes, may your ears be that that stirs the souls of we who hear. And Father, we may rejoice at the amazing things you have done and the amazing things you will accomplish. Father, let us bow before your throne. Uh, not deserved of anything, but understanding, Lord, of the amazing things you have given us and the amazing abilities and energy source that you have given us. And, Father, may we be diligent to show ourselves workers approved, rightly dividing truth. Let us drink deep from your word. Let us hold firm to the faith. Let us guard this that has been entrusted to us. And Father, let us fight the noble fight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for drawing us this day. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for strengthening us and encouraging us. Father, may we walk worthy to your exaltation. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 20, brethren, do not be children in your thinking, Yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speaks in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, they will not say that you are mad. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall upon his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Now, I want you to think about something, because when you roll through this, it's easy to sort of get pinpointed into an area. Um, when you think of spiritual gifts, we're looking at the gift of tongues. Okay, But when you think of spiritual gifts, you need to understand that every single spiritual gift has an intent. I don't care what the gift is. All right, It has a purpose. God just didn't, let's throw this stuff out here and see what happens out of it. Every gift that God has empowered the people by has a purpose. Now, I can make a broad statement, and we've seen this over and over in chapter 14. It's for the edifying of the body. Okay? And it is. But think about when you think of an individual gift, how does that gift strengthen the body? Right? What was its purpose what is its purpose for the body, for the church? Now, this is key. This is, oh, this is so crucial. Because what I see today, now you got to understand, it's only an American phenomenon. You do not see this anywhere 
in the rest of the world that I've traveled. Okay? It is only an American phenomenon. Gifts are for the church. They're not for your job. They're not for your vocation. They're not to help you get your education. Spiritual gifts are for the collection of the saints in the congregation of the called out ones. Please understand that. Outside of America, this is not an issue. All right. Now then, remember chapter 12, verse 1. I do not want you to be ignorant or unaware of spiritual gifts. All right. So if God's word says, I don't want you to be ignorant, what seems to be the problem? Okay. Remember this letter. Paul has been dealing with a very long line of issues in this church. And he was dealing with and correcting basically the flesh that was had risen up in the body of Christ. Okay? That that just summarizes the whole letter. The flesh was alive and well and thriving in the church in Corinth. All right? Um, when you have that, when the flesh takes command, you will either have a misuse or both a misuse of the spiritual gifts and a corruption of the spiritual gifts and the counterfeit will slide in. All right. Because the person who is operating in the flesh is susceptible to the counterfeit. All right, because what does the counterfeit appease? The flesh. Paul told Timothy, understand this, in the end times, men will not want sound doctrine. They will not want sound words. They will not want doctrine. They will not want theology. But they will amass to themselves. They will heap to themselves. They will pile up for themselves. Why? Teachers that tickle their ears. Okay? And I can hold that text out and then look around at Christendom and say, we're eyeball deep in this thing. Because when most people go to church today, why do they go? No, 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 no. It's, it's more, it's simpler than that. I go for what I can get. You cannot believe how many calls a day that this church receives on people wanting. Can you help me with the electricity? Can you help me with the rent? Can you help me with grocery? Can you help me with a new transmission? There seems to be a plague on transmissions. I've had numerous. I need a new transmission. God told me to tell you to walk. But anyway. um, Was he did. All right. They don't call a lot of times if I answer. As soon as I answer, it hangs up or I get a fax machine. But but I, I, I get that. And the people think that that's what you're here for. Let me tell you something. Jesus never said that. He says, you will always have the poor with you. You will always have the needy with you. All right. Let me tell you something. If you don't fix the spiritual side of it, I don't care how much money you throw at it. 
Okay, I forget how many trillions of dollars have been pushed into Africa for what reason? You're not touching the soul. You're not touching the soul. And listen, I am not against giving. I think we ought to give more. The problem is if we don't give to correct the soul, flush it. Flush it. You're wasting your time. Let me tell you something. God don't need your money. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. And let me tell you something. If you think that you can go in with gold and silver and bronze and all of this stuff and sway people to like your Jesus, you're a fool. You are a fool. Because the Holy Spirit's primary responsibility to lost people today is to convict of sin. And let me tell you something, that causes people problems. Okay? You will get odd responses when people are convicted of sin and you're the representative. Okay? When the body of Christ is exercising its flesh, we will miss what the true gifts are. Now listen, people will say, well, you're a Baptist, you don't believe in the gift of tongues. That's not true. I believe in the gift of tongues. I absolutely believe in the gift of tongues. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind in the gift of tongues. I can show you biblically the gift of tongues. I can show you why we need the gift of tongues. That goes all the way back to Genesis 11. I can show you that. But here's the thing that you need to understand. The gift of tongues had a purpose, an intent. All right. What was its intent? If I can nail down what the intent of the gift is, then I know emphatically if somebody is legitimate in their exercising of whatever gift. Whatever the gift. I don't care what the gift is. What was its intent? It's like the gift of prophecy. To stand before and proclaim. All right? I know what that gift is. Why? It is to stand before and proclaim. All right, and here's the thing that's amazing about the gift of prophecy. They're going to proclaim one thing and one thing only. The word of the Lord. Okay, if they're proclaiming something else, it ain't a legitimate gift. Okay, that see how easy? I mean, it's like the gift of miracles. Power, dunamis. That's what it means. Power. The gift of power. All right. If it is bringing exaltation to the Lord Jesus Christ, then it is the true gift. If it is the gift of healings, if it brings emphasis to the person of Jesus Christ, then I know it's a legitimate gift. The problem is that what I hear and see today do not bring emphasis to Jesus Christ. And all I have to look at is say it's counterfeit. It's not true. Okay, now, there you go again. That will cause issues because you look at the person you smile at him real big and then you give him that great statement i want you to know i love you brother but that's a lie <laughs> okay and then run okay the gift of tongues 
is an ability to speak in an unknown language that the speaker has no idea how to say. All right? If I could immediately speak fluent Swahili, that's the gift of tongues. Okay? So it's not hard to understand it. It has a purpose. What was the intent? And if you go back to chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. So God doesn't hide the purpose of spiritual gifts and said, boy, but you can't find this one. That ain't the way he does it. He says, here's the gift. Here's what it does. No big deal. All right. So what has happened to us? Well, I think the simplest is nobody reads the Bible. I mean, I have never really struggled. I mean, when I look at spiritual gifts and it says here that I'm not supposed to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And then I read it in the context of the letter of first Corinthians. This ain't hard. Well, but you're a Baptist. What? (laughs) No, I'm literate. (laughs) I couldn't read mine. I mean, you know. I think many today, as with the Corinthians, um, struggle uh, with the purpose. And, and many have twisted it. And when I say twisted it, that's, that's, that's to appease my wife because it's basically a lie. See, my wife says, now say something like twisted. And I said, but, but they're lying. And she says, but tell them you're twisting it. All right, you're twisting it into a lie. <laughs> Okay, listen, I can use this word. This is a good word. It's counterfeit. There you go. That's politically correct. It's counterfeit. What does that mean? It ain't God's. Ah, say counterfeit. Okay. Um, There is in the body of Christ today, I see many misusing true gifts and tongues is part of it. All right. I see many who have bought the counterfeit. And they're confusing the issue. They have left the right context and they have left the right purpose. What is the purpose? Listen, we've already looked at it. The first 19 verses, Paul of chapter 14, Paul says, this is just a secondary gift, tongues. Why? It has no ability to edify. It can't edify the saints. If it can't edify the saints, it's a secondary gift. The gift of interpretations can edify the saints. Therefore, the gift of interpretations is more important than the gift of tongues. But what do you see today in the church? We want the gift of tongues. Why? And I'm going to say this, and I have no way to say it easy. People want to show off. I have never in my life seen so many people who've been bought and paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ want to bring attention to themselves. Look what I can do. Look what I've done. Look what I've studied. Look what I've learned. I know this. I can parse that. I can do. I remember going to Russia and this guy is working on a second PhD and begins sitting with these Russians showing them how to parse Greek verbs. These Russians could care less about parsing Greek verbs. We don't need that. If I needed to learn the Greek language, why didn't God translate it into American? 
I don't understand that. Are there nuances? Yes, absolutely. But he doesn't give it to you. Do you know why they wanted Martin Luther killed? Not the black guy. (laughs) The Reformation guy. You know why? He had the audacity to say that the common man should have the ability to read the word of God. How dare you? How dare you? I was reading on a 19-year-old young man. A 19-year-old young man burned in Edinburgh, Scotland at the stake as a heretic. Do you know why? He was reading the scriptures in English. And they said, you must recant. And he says, I'll never recant. This is the word of God. And they killed him. They set him on fire and burned him at the stake. And he looked to heaven, 19 years old, and looks to heaven and says, Father, soon my face shall be sight. Praise God. And everybody says, well, you know, 19-year-olds don't understand this stuff. Really? One did. I'm a little passionate about this. If I can determine what the intent of the gift is, then it is very simple for me to evaluate what is going on today, what is going on anytime, whether it's history, future, present, with relationship to the gifts. Do you understand that? All I need to do is know what the gift is for. What was its intent? Know what the gift is for, and I will determine whether it is legitimate or illegitimate. Okay, now listen, I'm going to go through quickly a couple of things here that they offer that the gift of tongues for. The primary thing that people will tell you that the gift of tongues today is for is for personal edification, personal devotion. Okay, it's a private prayer language. It is my devotion between uh, my spirit and God's spirit. And when you do that, you will be built up. Okay? Verses 1 through 19 says that's not true. Okay, and I'll show you a verse that just hits you right between the eyes. Verse 4, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies does what? Okay, if the person is in the process of edifying himself, then you know what they're doing? What are they doing? If a person is doing anything to strengthen themselves, Understand this. I don't care what the gift is. It has been perverted. That is so simple. If I have a gift, my gift is for who? For the church. If you have a gift, your gift is for who? For the church. Tongues was never for edification. Now, interpretation was because interpretation would do what? Strengthen the church. Tongues cannot strengthen the church. If I sit up here and start speaking in fluent Russian, what good is that going to do you? (coughs) Nothing. It ain't going to help you at all. It's no different than me standing in downtown Moscow speaking the gospel with power and authority of God in American and nobody knows what I'm saying. Who's going to get saved? 
Okay? So anytime I see a gift, I don't care what the gift is, if they're using it for self-aggrandizement, self-building up, promoting of self, I know immediately it's perversion. It's perversion. But Terry, you don't understand. It's for prayer. It's for prayer. You know, it's, it's, it's a passionate prayer that God pours upon me. What are you going to do with Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13? His disciples ask him a question. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, No. He says, pray in this manner. Let me tell you something. If my Lord and my Savior can say this is the model, this is the pattern for prayer, that works fine for me. That works fine for me. Well, okay. You Baptist, I know how you guys are. You don't understand. Actually, the gift of tongues is for praising God. Really? Let me tell you something. The greatest area of praise, the greatest time of praise, the greatest amount of praise that can ever happen will be where? In heaven. Okay? Now think about that for a second. Use your brains. I know it's Sunday and it's cold and I don't want to think, but that's too bad. It's going to be offered in heaven. Then what are you going to do with 1 Corinthians 13.8? Love never fails. Whether gift of prophecies, it will be done away with. Whether there's gifts of tongues, what will happen? They will cease. So how am I going to praise? Okay, I've heard people tell me, well, it's for evangelism, Terry. Everybody knows that. Really? Yeah. Acts chapter 2, they were all standing in an upper room and they all began speaking in a language. See there? It's evangelism. No, at best it's pre-evangelism. Why? Because it says what they were saying. They were speaking of the work of God. You know what they were saying? They were speaking of the Old Testament. Here's when God brought us across the Red Sea. Here's when God did this with Joshua. Here's when God did this when brought us in the land. This is when God drove out the Canaanites. This is when David whooped the Philistines. Da 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 da. Go down the line. That's what the work of God means. Why? It was pre, it was drawing the Jewish hearer to the proclamations of God's praise and what he has done so that Peter could do what? Give him the gospel. See, any Jew hearing of the great work of Yahweh, the massiveness of Jehovah, the Adonai, Elohim, is going to get stopped dead in his tracks and say, what are you saying? Well, Terry, see, if you'd have come from the Pentecostal background, you'd have to say it. You just don't understand because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will what? Speak in tongues. It's proof of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Really. Okay, chapter 12, verse 13. By one Spirit... Got it? You want to read it? By one Spirit, who was baptized into one body? How many? 
All of us. Did it say we all spoke in tongues? No, look at verse 30. Not all have the gift of healings, do they? Not all have the gift of tongues, do they? Not all can interpret, do Well, how many got baptized with the Holy Spirit? All. Listen, if you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, the least of your problems is tongues. You're just not saved. Okay, but do you understand? Listen, I, I, I brought these out because, listen, I am not anti-charismatic. I am not anti-Pentecostal. I'm just trying to tell you the minds are unfruitful. Use your brains, people. I asked you a year ago, do you believe there's an ignorance of spiritual gifts? And every one of you said yes. And I wanted to pull my hair out. Why? God hid them all. He put them under the Christmas tree and I just have an open mind. I, I don't understand it. It don't make sense to me. Does it make sense? Well, but you know... <laughs> Listen, do all baptize. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says that there were 3,000 people repented. How many have spoken tongues? Zero zip nada. In chapter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says that the people were shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in tongues? No, they preached with boldness, is what it says they did. Which brings me back to my text. I'm a little adamant about this. Brethren. Okay, when I see Paul in this letter use the word brethren, it's like the person who comes into my office and says, first and foremost, Terry, I want you to know I love you. Okay? I want you to know I love you. Okay, when Paul says brethren, that means he's getting ready to slap him in the head with a hammer. And that is exactly what he does. Look what he does. Do not be children. Walk up to your average Christian today and say, you are acting spiritually immature. That's another one of those, but run. (laughs) Okay, two words here. Verse 20. One is children. Do not be children or do not be children in your thinker and yet be infants. Okay, children would be five to ten years of age. Okay, infants would be Less than a year. Okay? So he uses something here, and he says, I want you to pay attention to this. Stop being children. All right? He says, I want your understanding to be mature. I want your understanding to be as a man. Now listen, however you look at that verse 20, this is a strong indictment. I mean, this isn't, you don't want somebody coming up and says, you know what? Your thinking processes in the life of Christ are immature. And then look what he says. Be infants in evil. You know what the implication is, right? You're mature in your evil and you're immature in your thinking. And that's true. That's true. Look at the text. I mean, look at what we've been looking at to date. I mean, a man has his, his father's wife. I'm thinking that's not a good idea. They're running around saying single is better than married and married is better than single and da, 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 da. And they were suing each other and the rich people were getting drunk at the, at the potlucks. 
And they would eat all the good food. And we're just having a blast. They're basically backwards. Chapter 14, verse 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is what? It's unfruitful. You're not really thinking through the right things. You're not really thinking the biblical things. You're not really thinking about the revelation of God. What do you see today? What do you see in the church today? Look around, brothers and sisters. Look around. We, the church, has become anti-intellectual. Listen, I want to talk about the church. The church is based on a feeling. It's on emotion. I had a good time in church. I felt God. What did he feel like? Well, he made the hair stand up on my neck. I've done that as an electrician. (laughs) I don't understand that. Well, but you just had to be there. The power was moving. You need to be at a Grateful Dead concert. Things move there too. I don't, do you see what I'm trying to say? We have taken what the world encourages. We folded it into the church and says, Jesus is here. And you check out your brain. Listen to the things that we sing. I mean, it goes over and over and it's repetitive and it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. And well, praise Jesus. And, you, and I sit there and go, well, what the heck was that? Why? we? <laughs> I have a phone call. <laughs> I'm looking for a traditional Southern Baptist church. What the heck is that? And do I want to be a part of it? What do you mean? Think about how arrogant the church is when we put up on our signs it says, we have a contemporary worship. We have a traditional worship. And at one o'clock, we will have a blended worship. What the heck is that? And this has all happened within 10 years. This has escalated. This is insane. I mean, I look at it when a person calls me and they say, what kind of worship do you have? I said, living sacrifice. Well, that's what he says. Present your body as a living sacrifice. We don't kill anybody. These are live sacrifices. They're going to come and arrest me. See, when you people ask me, how you doing? I said, you know, I'm above the ground. The cops ain't found me. Okay, you know, people ask me, how you doing? And that's my response. Now you know why I say that. <laughs> if, you, if you go look at our website, the picture there of the preacher is Willie Wheeler. <laughs> so they come and see me. and I, Not me, man. I was just, I'm just hiding here. Okay. There is a big push for anti-intellectualism in favor of experience. Paul says, stop being children. Stop being children. He says, I want you to be an infant and evil, but I want your brain, your thinking to be as a man. Think about it. Think about the text. Think about what God is doing. How many in the body of Christ have watched God intervene into their life, do amazing stuff, and then forget it two minutes later? 
You're no different than Israel coming out of Egypt. It's the same thing. Is he faithful? Are you important to God? It's amazing to me that I watched the church say, it took a cross and a miracle to save me, but now I can make myself holy. Really? You think, you think I'm kidding? Where did the invention of biblical counseling come from? Where is that? Where did that come from? Who was Paul's biblical counselor? Paul didn't have one. Does anybody know who Paul's worship leader was? No. And yet I watch us go over and over and over again trying to validate our experiences. All right, now that I want to show you, because if you don't get anything... You need to get this. I mean, I don't care if you never get nothing else. All right? You need to get this. All right? Verse 21. In the law, it is written, the law to a Jew can either be the Pentateuch and or the complete Old Testament, depending on the context. All right? He quotes Isaiah. So what do you think he's talking about? The complete Old Testament. It is written. All right, now you got that? What's he dealing with? I'm going to give you the intent for the gift of tongues. This is what tongues is for. He took 19 verses and says, you guys have got this thing all screwed up. So let me be specific about it. And he says, if you want to know the purpose of what is going on, where do you think you should go? Word of God. Go to Word of God. It is written. All right? By men of strange tongues and the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Okay, now listen. Take your Bible, take a great big red pen, and circle the next phrase. So then, tongues are a sign Do I dare read the rest? I don't care what text you look at. I've looked at it in the message. I've looked at it in the NIV. I've looked at it in the New American Standard, the New King James, the Revised Edition, and the Old King James. And guess what it says? It is a sign. Who is it a sign for? Unbelievers. If tongues is exercised in the church, it's a perversion. If tongues is exercised among the saints, it's a perversion. Listen, it ain't because I'm Baptist. It is because I read verse 22. Listen, if you never learn anything else about tongues, be sure of this. It is a sign and it is a sign to who? Unbelievers. We can stop right now. I don't have to go any farther. I don't have to deal with it anymore. But I'm going to because there is a purpose for that sign. Why is it a sign to unbelievers? Listen, does that look difficult to interpret? Are you sure? I mean, it seems pretty straightforward to me. 
Okay, when a person tells me that they have this little thing for tongues, or our church has a, uh, I know a church that has a Saturday night service where we all do everything in tongues, all you're telling me is, is that you have perverted what God is doing. You have bought the lie. Okay, listen, verses 21 and 22 is the heart of, of chapter 14. It is the heart of chapter 11 through 14. Because 11 through 14 is speaking of the corporate worship. When the saints come together to worship, this is what you're supposed to be doing and not doing. This statement by itself should call any current use of tongues to task. Okay? I have a little outline that I gave you there. You'll see that it is a sign. It is a sign of cursing. It is a sign of blessing. And it is a sign of authority. The gift of tongues is. All right. The primary use, the primary intent, the primary purpose for the gift of tongues. Hear me well. It's primary focus is a sign of cursing. Okay, and I'm not talking about profanity. I'm talking about God's wrath prepared. Judgment. Judgment. He quotes Isaiah 28, verse 11, the whole verse of 11, and the end of verse 12. It was true. Listen, if he uses Isaiah and says this is, it it was true in Isaiah, therefore tongues is still a sign. And it is a sign for who? With Isaiah 28, it was a sign to unbelieving Judah. That's what it was for. It wasn't for believing Judah. It was for unbelieving Judah. The word there, a sign, okay, is ace in the Greek. Okay, and it, anytime you see ace in the Greek, it indicates a purpose. A purpose. Okay, and I share that with you because he's not saying incidentally, tongues. He's saying when tongues is used, it is a purpose. There is a purpose for this. Tongues has a purpose. It is a sign. It is to whom? Okay. Ten times in the Old Testament, a sign appears. Every time in the Old Testament, it has a purpose. This is a sign. Whether it is the fact that the shadow went backwards whether it was a fact that the axe head floated, it is always laid as a sign. It is a purpose. Now then, I need you to go to Isaiah 28. Okay, because we read Isaiah 28 a lot. Uh, the problem is, we don't read the whole thing. We just want to smack a, a charismatic in the head, so we go, oh, look at her, it says right there. Okay, you better read the whole thing. Why? Because the whole thing, you know how I told you that the three most important things about biblical interpretation are context, context, or context. All right. Good. All right. Isaiah speaking. 
He is in the southern kingdom. Judea and Benjamin are the two tribes that make up the southern kingdom. And they have a king named Hezekiah. This was written about 705 B.C. Okay, In 722 B.C., the northern kingdom had been taken and destroyed by the Assyrians. The reason? Unbelief and apostasy. And God brought terrible judgment. Now we're in 705 B.C. And guess what? Judah and Benjamin are acting disobedient and God is getting ready and is warning them. If you read the first 15 verses of 28, you're going to say, hey, this is a warning. Okay? Woe to the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim. The people of Ephraim had come down and said, we're in lead now. And what were they? They were drunkards. Okay, look what it says in verse 7. And these also reel with wine and stagger from strong drink. Who? The priests, the prophets, and the kings. The priests and the prophets reel in strong drink. They are confused by wine. They stagger from strong drink. They reel having visions. There ain't no doubt in my mind. Look what verse 8 says. All of the tables are full of yuck. My interpretation, my translation says filthy vomit without a single clean place. Woohoo. That is what Isaiah walks into. He walks into it. Verse 9 To whom would he preach knowledge? And to whom would interpret the message? Those just weaned from milk? Why? The only person who ain't stoned out of their mind is the infants. Is the infants. Isaiah finds this and he unloads on these people. And their response is, he's just talking to babies. Look at verse 10. He says... Order upon order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. You know what he's saying? That the people respond to Isaiah by mocking him, thinking he ain't got nothing to say. Why? We already know it. He's just repeating. He's repeating infant stuff, little bitty stuff. He ain't bringing us nothing new. I already know this. I'm a priest. I'm a prophet. I've studied my Bible. I know what he's saying. Pour me another drink. Pour me another drink. Do you see what Isaiah is saying here? Isaiah has walked in to the people of the book. They have the scriptures. And their response to Isaiah, the man of God, is, I already know that. I already know that. And you know what God says to them? They keep looking at Isaiah. I see this so much, brothers and sisters. This breaks my heart today in the body of Christ. People say he just keeps repeating the same simple stuff over and over. And I ask a simple question. Do they appreciate it? When the pastor is faithful to preaching the word of God over and over and over and over again, do you understand why he does it? 
It's because your life has not changed. If your life has not changed, it's his responsibility to repeat it and to repeat it and to repeat it. They say his teaching is simple. It's childish. You know what the problem is? Verse 11. He speaks to his people. Indeed, he will speak to his people through stammering lips in a foreign tongue. Got it? God says, you know what? You wouldn't hear the simple. So I'm going to talk to you in a language you'll never understand. The end of verse 12. Here's response. What? They would not listen. The prophet of God, the man of God, preaching the word of God, and the response was what? And they kept it simple, and he kept repeating it, because I want you to get it. You need to understand this. You need to grasp this. You need to lay on this. And he says, you know what? You won't listen to my prophet. You will listen to a language you don't understand. I'm going to talk to you and you won't get it. And guess what happened? I call it the babbling Babylonians come cruising through. They encompass the southern kingdom. They destroy the southern kingdom. They slaughter the southern kingdom and they burn whatever's left. And when they begin to hear that unintelligible language of the Babylonians... Even then, they did not understand that they were now under the judgment of God and the judgment of God had come. 586 B.C., it happened. Unbelief and apostasy in the southern kingdom was obliterated. God dealt with it. Terrible. Terrible judgment. Okay, now I want to show you something because... Everybody says, well, okay, he quotes that. I want you to go over to the second law. You know what the second law is? That's Deuteronomy. Okay, you know what Deuteronomy is, right? We're in the wilderness, and God talks to Moses and says, Moses, I have a second law for you. When I get ready to take the remnant in, and we're going to go into the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, he says, I got a second law for you. Okay? They've already showed their stiff-neckedness. Okay, 40 years of wandering around uh, under a cloud, the manna and the belly aching, you ain't going to do this, you ain't going to do that. You know, I'm going to show you the promised land and the all spies come back and say, these God, giants are going to whoop us. We need to go back to Egypt. Okay? And you have Joshua and Caleb's piece of cake. Piece of cake. This is going to be a blast. And he says, you two can go in, all right? All right, but you get Deuteronomy there. Verse, uh, where am I at? Chapter 28, verse 49, I want you to read this because I don't want you to think, well, Terry's he's grabbing his thing. God says, listen, I'm going to warn you. Okay, just don't do this and you won't have to worry about it. Here's what it says. Yahweh, when you see capital O, capital O, or capital L, capital O, capital R, Yahweh. What does it say? The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar. From the end of the earth, as the eagle swoops down, a nation whose language, what? You're not going to understand. You turn your back on me, 
You go into unbelief. You become apostate. You walk away from me. I bring foreigners down on you like an eagle swooping down on a mouse. And you won't even understand what they're saying. But understand this. When you hear a language that you don't understand, know that I'm doing it. Okay? So the gift of tongues is what? Judgment. Oh, well, I don't know. All right. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 15. Behold. Chapter 5, verse 15. Jeremiah. Right after Isaiah. That one professor I remember listening to, Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah, he's, he's from southern Oklahoma. Isaiah, can't miss him. Isaiah, not Zover, not, no. Just kidding. It's hard to teach on the wrath of God. Chapter 5, verse 15. Behold, I am bringing a nation against you from afar. <laughs> or a fur. Afar. O house of Israel, declares the Lord. It's an enduring nation, an ancient nation. Guess what? A nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. But let me tell you something. When you hear it, you'll know it is my wrath. You won't know what they're saying. But you'll know why they're knocking on your door. God made it clear in the minds of Israel that when they were going to be judged by God, there was going to be a sign. And what would the sign be? They would hear a language that they could not understand. Paul quotes that in 1 Corinthians. He says, look, Corinthians, just as when Isaiah said it, Just as when Moses said it, just as when Jeremiah said it, those languages are for a sign to who? God does not judge his own. That's what the cross is for. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. But to you who are an unbeliever, You turn your back on me, and by a language you don't know, know this. My wrath is upon you. My wrath is upon you. What about Paul's generation? I thought you'd never ask. Thought you would never ask. How about uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 35? Do you know when Luke was written? Take a guess. 60 A.D. Okay, make a note, my middle note of that. 60 A.D. Luke chapter 13, verse 35 says, this is if, for those of you who have the holy inspired red letter Bible, this would be red letter. Behold. Anytime you see God say behold, it's, 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 pay attention. Okay. Behold, your house is left and desolate. I say to you, you will not see me until the time comes. Blessed he comes in the name of the Lord. You know what he just said there? I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you. Okay. 
Let me give you another text. Same book, Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 24. I won't read the whole thing. I'll just read you part of it. This is Jesus again speaking to Israel in Jerusalem. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize her desolation is near. Recognize his desolation is near. Listen, the apostles' ministry began at Pentecost. Okay? At Pentecost. Do you realize that 30 years after Pentecost, Jerusalem was obliterated and Judaism ceased to exist as it was known? Do you know that to this day, the sacrificial system is non-existent? There is a, if you look at Jerusalem on a topographical map, especially if you look at it old, it's like a finger sticks down. Okay, and there's two valleys on each side. Okay, one valley is the Kidron Valley. Okay, that's where, and then it goes up to the Mount of Olives. The other valley is the Valley of Hinnom. Okay, do you understand that in 70 AD, Rome's obliteration of Jerusalem was so massive, there's no valley of Hinnom anymore? All of the rubble was thrown into the valley of Hinnom, and it's now just a little low spot. It ain't no valley. That is the ruins of Jerusalem from 70 AD. God said, through the tongues of strangers, through the feet of of Gentiles, I will trample you underfoot and they will speak in a tongue that you do not understand. But know this, it is my judgment. Listen, how massive was God's judgment? Judaism does not exist. The Judaism that what you know and read of in the gospel record is a non-existent entity and has disappeared since 70 AD. Millions and millions, they defoliaged the area. There's no trees around because the Romans were putting that many crosses up. They had crosses that would line from Jerusalem north to Galilee as far as the eye could see and they had Jews hanging on them for their rebellion. And it was God's wrath against that nation. And they still bear it. They still bear it today. When I hear the gift of tongues, I know that it is a sign. It is for this people, Israel, and your unbelief and your apostasy, I have dealt with. Now listen, if judgment of God fell on unbelief and apostasy in the northern kingdom in 722... If the judgment of God fell on unbelief and apostasy on the southern kingdom in 586, then believe it. It fell on a nation that turned its back and literally crucified Messiah in 70 AD. Now listen, I want you to understand that because now listen, I'm going to give you these quick. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff right now. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. You see the gift of tongues expressed okay acts chapter 2 what was it in jerusalem okay all of these had a thing going on in the situation okay whether it was with cornelius and his bunch whether it was up in ephesus whatever it was you'll see one thing is common what is common jews are present not only jews but unbelieving jews were present okay listen the apostles ministry was to who 
to the Jews and they were preaching God's judgment. God's judgment is coming upon Israel. And let me ask you a question. Did it happen? Absolutely it happened. Now listen, if that happened in 70 AD, ask yourself a simple question. The intent for the gift of tongues is a sign of God's wrath. Do I need the gift today? No. The whole purpose of the gift is gone. Why? Jerusalem was destroyed, obliterated. Listen. Yes. In Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 10 and 19, some believed. Some believed. Absolutely. But did you ever think why they believed? Yeah, yeah. Holy Spirit moved on them. Yeah, I know that. But if they were speaking in a language, the Jew with a cursory glance of his scripture would say, when foreign languages comes in, I'm in trouble. Right? All right, I'll conclude it with this. Take the book of Acts, chapter 2, birth of the church, Pentecost. Okay? Reinforces to the Jewish nation that God is preparing to judge them. God is preparing to judge them. Got it? God's getting ready to judge us. Why? Look, here's the birth of what? Birth of the church. I'm going to judge Israel and I'm going to birth the church. How do I know? From the tongues of strangers. It is proclaimed. All right? Got it? All right, now I want to give you one thing. I'm giving you a little reprieve here. Are you ready? It is a sign. It is a sign of cursing. That's the intent of the gift of song, tongues. Okay? But it's also a sign of blessing. <coughs> sign of blessing. Next week. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, this is so clear. Help us to understand the danger of the counterfeit. Father, help us to understand that all of your gifts are perverted. All have an enemy who would counterfeit. All would try to ensnare your people, to entangle your people into the falseness of the enemy. Father, let us look at Scripture and let us be honest with what the Scripture says. Father, let us set aside what we think or what we feel or what we've experienced, what we've heard. And Father, let us look upon your word and its power and its authority. Father, let us understand that you have enabled your people with divine power, supernatural abilities for the edification of the saints so that they may work in service. Father, help us. Help us to hear. Help us to see. But Father, as we go forth from this place, Father, may we share your truth and love. Father, understanding that our fight is not against individuals or people, but against principalities and powers in high places. Praise you, Lord, for what you've done. Praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do. And Father, I look so forward to that day that we who are called by your name 
No longer live by faith, but live by sight. Immersed in the love of Christ. To His glory, to His praise. Amen.